Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. We're coming to you a little bit later this week because, Jay, you were at the NFL Combine. This is the first time I've had a chance to talk to you, really, since you've gotten back from that. I mean, are you are you recovered? Are you still recovering? Like, what's, what's the state of Jay Morrison after <laughs> a, a few days in Indy? I, I am recovered. It was more of a flyby. It was not a typical uh, Combine week for me for... For some of you that may not know, I, I went to Florida for vacation to kind of decompress from the season for uh, for six days. Uh, came back, what was that, Tuesday night, got up early Wednesday morning, drove to the Combine, came back yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. So, um, yeah, really odd. I, I never went in the interview room once because Duke and Zach went on Tuesday, and I was in the air when they were talking, and um, it, was, uh, it was a very quick – in and out for Indy, but it was it was probably more official interviews than I've ever done over there. The the Bengals PR staff got us all three coordinators. Um, they got us Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, and they got us the uh, the promotions Jordan Kovacs, who's now the safeties coach, and Brad Cragthorpe, who's now the quarterbacks coach, and then the new hire Justin Riscotti. Um, who's the passing game coordinator and still has no idea what's expected of him or what. I mean, he was, it was, it was funny. Cause if, if, if we would go through that transcript and count up how many times he said he's excited and he wasn't sure it was, that was like most of the interview and he wasn't being evasive or anything. It's just like, he just got here. I don't think anybody on the staff has an idea of what that position's going to look like yet. Um, but he's he's an impressive guy, impressive background. Um, I, I'm sure they'll figure it out, and it, it's it's going to be good for the offense. Just getting new voices in there. That it's mm-hmm. the it's the flip side. That the continuity's been great all these years, where it's you know you you don't have to go out and hire coaches every every cycle. Um, but I don't want I don't know if stale is the right word or rut, <laughs> but yeah. you know things just kind of get set, and it's good to bring in new guys, new voices, and and that's. That's what this is going to be. The, they, they, the Bengals believe in all these guys uh, having a voice. And, and so uh, the, the more new ideas you can get, and uh, it's just going to help this offense. So it was, it was good getting to talk to all those guys. Um, but it was it was a whirlwind. It was in and out. Um, spent one night in Indy. Um, had three total beers the entire time I was there. That's a new career low. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, feeling fresh and ready for the weekend. I'm going to have to check with our other staff members who are with you to confirm that three number before. I don't know if we can just take that on, on your saying so, but I'm glad, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, there's lots of Bengal stuff to talk about. Like usually we have kind of like an overarching theme for these episodes. I think today we'll just do more of like a grab bag. There's just lots of stuff we'll get into. I think next week, Jay, we'll do kind of our master plan for free agency for what the Bengals should do. So we'll, we'll get into that next week. But let's just go over some of these news topics that we've got. So obviously, T. Higgins, T. Higgins has been yeah. franchise tagged, twenty-one by eight one six million dollars. He's still the only player who's been franchise tagged in the NFL so far. Bengals were well out ahead of everybody else. Um, what did you think of that, Jay? Does that say anything? Like I, I, I wrote an article of some possible trades this week, and I and I sent T. to the Tennessee Titans for the thirty-eighth overall pick. Definitely not saying that's going to happen. I, I think that I don't. I don't think the Bengals are going to trade T. Higgins. I think there was some talk that. You know, why did they tag T. Higgins so early in this process? Why did they not wait till the very end right up against the deadline, as we kind of talked about last week, and whether that means, hey, we're at the Combine, we're willing to listen to offers. I don't know if that's the case, but I think it's an interesting thought process, at least. Um, Jay, any thoughts like on the franchise tag? I mean, we all knew it was coming, but like, what, yeah. what's is there any other fallout that we're maybe not thinking of from this? 
Yeah, no, it, it really kind of fell in line with with what they did with Jesse Bates a, a couple years ago, yeah. where as as soon as the salary cap number was announced, they said okay, and they and they, they used the tag, and um, you know Duke kind of alluded to that at the combine that you know once they knew they were going to do it, once they had the figures in front of them, why drag it out? Yeah. I do agree with you. I, I I think that that there's some benefit to doing it early. Um, that if you want to work out a trade, but the the whole sticking point here is, you know, T could do what Jesse did and wait until August to, to sign it. And there you, they, the Bengals can't trade, do a tag and trade with T until he signs yeah. that. So if he doesn't sign it, a, a trade's totally off the board, but it was interesting how they, they took a different tact where, you know, last year it was, if you want a receiver, go get your own. Um, this year it was like, yeah, we'll, we'll listen if, if people, yeah. and, and I do think they would be open to trading T, but it would take a massive offer. Um, and, and, you know, who knows? Maybe someone does come up with one, but they, they made it clear that their intention is to have T play for them this year, which which makes the most sense. Um, one of the quotes I go back to with Duke was uh, uh, when, he, when he was talking about a bird in the hand. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, someone can offer you all these draft picks, but you don't, you don't know. Are they going to be as good as T? They know exactly what they have in T. They love T. They love not just his production, but – the way he works, everything about him. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. You know, T, he, T hasn't said much. Um, same agent as Jesse Bates. I don't know if it's going to be as contentious as, as the Jesse one was, um, you know, and, and still really, yeah, it, it stinks for T that he doesn't get a bite at the, the big free agency Apple, but 21.8, 21.8 million guaranteed is a nice payday. And, he is currently the ninth highest paid receiver in the league by average annual value. So um, it's, it's, it's a nice windfall for him. Yeah. There's a little risk because he could get hurt this year, but really anymore, what there's no, no one suffers career ending injuries. He's going to be in position next year to get a massive deal. And and this is just kind of a, a stepping stone towards that. I mean, we would, who wouldn't want, you know, even guys in the NFL, twenty-one point eight million guaranteed. Um, so I, I don't know that that T's gonna. Maybe he sits out the the voluntary part and maybe he misses a little bit of camp. But I still, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was there at the start of camp. Yeah, I won't be surprised either. And and you make a good point that twenty-one point eight million dollars is a is a great payday for just about anyone. I think if you're T Higgins, your your thought is twenty-one million dollars is great. If I was on a long-term extension, I'd probably be making forty million dollars in in cash, not cap space. But I'd probably be making forty million dollars in cash this season. So you can understand why he doesn't want to be tagged. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't know that an extension is likely. I, I still don't think it is. I, I would be surprised at this point if a trade happens. I, I think the most likely scenario, if there is going to be a trade, Jay, is that T would play under the franchise tag this year be tagged again next year and then maybe be traded next yeah. offseason. I could see that happening. But I just think there's two – the Bengals are going for it this year. There's just no reason to give away a player in his prime of his career for anything less than what you, you said as a massive package. Um, so I think we'll, we'll wait and see how that kind of turns out. But I, I don't think there's anything unexpected with T. Um, next topic is a little bit of a downer, I think. The NFLPA report card came out. Bengals just absolutely got awful. I mean, it's it's you got to say it's embarrassing. They finished 32, 32nd, dead last among all NFL teams in three different categories, treatment of families, food and cafeteria, and nutrition and, and diet. Um, 
I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen a lot of the details that have come out from this report card. One of 12 teams with no family room, one of seven teams with no daycare, one of four teams with, with neither one, offering dinner one day a week, only on Wednesdays. I mean, it's it's almost comical, Jay. Like, I, it's almost comical to list off some of these things when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry with athletes trying to get to peak performance and you're not able to provide a full-time dietitian. You're not able to have the cafeteria open on days when players are coming in for, for work when it may technically be their off day. I, I think it's really embarrassing. And I think the Bengals have advanced in so many ways since Zach Taylor has gotten here in terms of hitting free agency and doing things different on the field, off the field, social media, everything. To see this kind of report come out and see that things like internally are still like pretty lackluster There's no other word for it than embarrassing. Yeah, because it was it was embarrassing last year when that was the first year the NFLPA did this survey, and they didn't fix hardly anything that came that that they got dinged for last year. And I remember when I I was at the owners' meeting in Arizona and talking to Katie about it, and she said that the the cafeteria the food thing was no big deal. They'd already made changes, but the 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 survey was taken before they made the changes and. they didn't make, I mean, no. the only change they made is, is because that was a big sticking point. No dinner offer. Well, they offer them one day a week. I mean, what yeah. is, what is that? I mean, if you're going to do it, go all the way. It, it's not going to be that expensive to offer those guys dinner, all, you know, every day that they're there. Um, and the same with the family thing. They got, they got dinged for not having an area where, where nursing mothers can feed their babies. So they're sitting on the floor in the public restrooms. How do you not fix that? That's a, big stadium there's all kinds of room in that stadium to to create a room and i'm i'm always flabbergasted you know you go to road games and you see these family rooms and these setups and where all the when when the game's over you have to work your way down and weave through these areas to get to the to the um the interview rooms and the locker Mm -hmm. rooms and all the the family and friends are sitting around and waiting for the the players to come out at paycor stadium they have to go outside the stadium into the parking lot to a tent and it's an open-ended tunnel. It's like what you would see at like a church festival or something. It's open-ended on both sides. So it's boiling hot in September sometimes. In December and January, it can be freezing cold. It just, it makes no sense because they, they the, the family and friends used to wait inside the stadium by the loading dock. I don't know why they pushed them outside. There's also an adjacent room to that area that they could easily put those people in. But I don't know if it's security reasons or what it is, but it's just... I guess tone deaf is the best way to put it, yeah. where you 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 were told what the issues were last year in the very first survey and basically did nothing to address it. Now, one of the ones they got dinged on last year, the training room, they did. They're doing yeah. undergoing a massive renovate renovation. And so that that is that you do. They do get credit for that because that is one area that they are they're trying to make that state of the art. Um, and we don't I, we don't get to see it. So I, you just yeah. have to trust what the players say. But yeah, it's just, it, it is, it's embarrassing. And, um, you know, I thought it was, it was telling, you know, Zach Taylor got an A um, yeah. for, for you know, he was one of the, I think, 10 head coaches that that got an A. So it, it, it just shows you where the disconnect is, where, you know, in the locker room, the it's there. What, what mm-hmm. they're building is there. But the, the di- there's just a huge chasm between the front office, how, what they think be, these guys, how they should be treated and what they should get. And you can't, 
you see where the NFL is going. You're, you're going to have to rely on free agents wanting to come there. And I, I don't you can't just say, oh, yeah, everybody wants to play with Joe Burrow. That's that's not yeah. going to be the case. You need to do everything possible to, number one, attract guys to come and play. And then number two, make them happy while they're here and get them at peak performance and give yourself the best chance to win a Super Bowl. I think there's a lack of self-awareness, too, that don't the Bengals know they're kind of viewed as a cheap organization mm-hmm. throughout the entire league? And to have this come out and basically validate every single thing that the, that the Bengals are mocked for and ridiculed for every year. I mean, again, comical. I mean, we go back to the cafeteria, ranked 30th in food taste, 31st in food freshness. I mean, come on. Like, how hard is that to do? How hard is that to fix? D plus on the locker room. Half the showers reportedly don't work correct correctly. Five toilets for an entire NFL team that are working. I mean, what? How is this possible? I, I really don't get it. I, I live in Minnesota. I've been to the Vikings facility here many times. The Vikings constantly receive like the top marks in the entire league. I've seen like what a good facility can look like. It's I don't think it could be that hard. I think it's just, again, I hate to keep using the word embarrassing, but how I don't know how you can view yourself as a true Super Bowl caliber team when like these little, these little things matter. Like winning mm-hmm. on the margins like this matters. And I think it's again, comical that that the Bengals are in this position. It's not to act like there's not positives. Like you said, Zach Taylor got an A. 98% of the players said he's efficient with their time. Strength coaches did really well. Training mm-hmm. staff did really well. So there are positives, but like, it's just, I don't know. You know how this is going to look when this when these bad marks come out. Like, it, it seems like I'd be all over this, like this offseason, like get this stuff fixed. Make sure this doesn't come out again next year and, and be embarrassed again next year. Um, I, I will say that I, I don't. Maybe it's a little bit of disgruntled, but the 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 complaints about the taste of the food. I mean, mm-hmm. once a year they let the media go in and eat in that dining room. That's during the draft. It's fantastic. I mean, everything. And I don't know if they up the game for yeah. the draft weekend, but we walk. We have to walk past that cafeteria every day, going in and out. It always smells great. So I don't know if they're they're bitter about the not getting dinner every day. So they're just like, oh yeah, the food's terrible too. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that that it it, it smells. It it seems like it's really good food. You you don't even smell it. Sometimes players won't sit in the cafeteria. They will go get yeah. their food and come back and sit at their locker. And it just I don't know. I I, find, I have a hard time believing that that's really an issue. The taste of the food. Um, yeah, but you but you eat at Arby's like all the time. So I don't know if we can like trust your <laughs> judgment on what this food tastes like. So I don't know if that's I don't know if we can that that's accurate. But I don't know. Well, uh, we'll have to get some other surveys on how, from media and how the Bengals food tastes. I don't Man, know if we can trust you. Can't believe you're slamming Arby's. All right, next topic. Let's talk about right tackle and defensive tackle. I think these are like the two big positions the Bengals are going to have to fill this off season and. There's multiple ways to do it. They could sign free agents. They could use the draft. They could do both. And if Jay, you know, hearing Duke Tobin talk this week, hearing Frank Pollock talk this week, both of them kind of mentioned both avenues that maybe we'll sign a guy. Maybe we'll draft a guy and develop. I think that's like an excellent way to go about filling like a clear need area. I think if the Bengals want to sign a cheap guy here coming up in free agency in a couple of weeks with, with an eye towards drafting someone for a second round, I think that's the way to go is just to make sure you don't have like glaring weaknesses that you have to fill in the draft, right? You want to just at least paper over every need ahead of free ahead of the draft so that you truly can like take the best player available at, at like a valuable position. So I, these comments to me are exactly how I would be approaching free agency or if I running things. So I'm happy with those comments. Yeah. I don't know about signing a cheap. I mean, I think you need, if you sign a defensive tackle and an offensive tackle or, or either one, you need to mm-hmm. sign that guy with the intention of them 
being able to start for you and not just be a uh, let's just yeah. stock the roster with some depth pieces because you know Frank talked about it it's hard it's hard for these guys to come into the league the way college is now and they're never in three-point stances and you know even if in the NFL they're not in a lot but you still got to do it a lot more than you do in college and just mm-hmm. for these young guys to come in and and start playing against grown men it is it's a huge leap physically. It's a huge leap mentally. The just the amount they're asked to process, to to recognize and adjust to at the line, the playbook, the concepts, everything they need to study before they even get on the field. So, yeah, you can you can take a guy. And Frank said the line of demarcations that the, the number twelve pick. Well, the Bengals right. are picking eighteenth. But even you know you take a guy in the first round and you expect them to start, but that's you still don't know, and they cannot go into the season with with just a, a rookie first round pick at, at right tackle and and hope and pray that works and so I, I think I think you need to to sign a guy a, you know not a not the top tier you know not someone in Jonah's range who's going to command yeah. a huge salary but but someone you know you believe can come in and start right away and push and mentor whoever the rookie is going to be and same goes on the defensive side of the ball at defensive tackle I mean it's the same. It, it's in the trenches. Those are the guys that it's a big leap forward in, in strength. And you just it's, it's a great defensive tackle class. It's, it's top mm. heavy. So yeah. uh, you just you just can't count on those those rookies in, in anywhere. I mean, it's not just that the Bengals you know struggle to evaluate offensive linemen and draft them. It's it's across the league. It's the draft is a crapshoot and free agency is a much more known commodity. You've got the money to do it double down, get a, get a really good one in free agency and then use a high draft pick, you know, offensive tackle or defensive tackle in the first round, flip it in the second round. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's true what you say about it being a crapshoot. I mean, I'm, I'm looking back at the, was it the 2020 draft where four offensive tackles went in the first round and it, like Tristan Werfs for the Buccaneers became an instant all pro, right? Makai Becton, eh, he struggled. He's been injured. Jedrick Willis for the Browns. He's been a little bit in the middle. Then Andrew Thomas for the Giants. Looked like a bust after one year. Has developed into an all-pro. Mm-hmm. There's so many different like timelines and paths that these guys can take where I think it makes sense to cover your bases. Uh, we've talked about some of the guys who I think could make sense at right tackle. Jay, Trent Brown, Jermaine Illuminor, George Fant. These guys who absolutely can be starters, but maybe wouldn't be that. But they would be amenable to moving into a backup role. One other guy I wanted to just toss out and I just mentioned him, was Makai Becton from the yeah. Jets. Frank Pollock coached him with the Jets, so there's a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Reporting from, I think it was Brian Costello with the New York Post, said that it doesn't sound like Makai Becton's coming back to the Jets. Like, that sounds like mm-hmm. they are not going to re-sign him. You know, he's missed, like, basically two entire seasons with injury. He has specifically said, like, he doesn't want to play right tackle, that he thinks he got hurt at one point because he played right tackle. I don't know. I think there's, like, a lot of reasons why he wouldn't come to Cincinnati, but Man, he's been beaten down by the Jets organization for a long yeah. time. Maybe coming to play for like a winning team would be he'd be something he'd be amenable to, even if it meant playing on the right side. Yeah. I mean, and he would have to change his tune there because obviously that's that's yeah. what they would want him to do. And he's he's yeah. got the size. He he fits the template of what the Bengals are trying to build with these offensive linemen. Um, but that that would be a, a stumbling block if if he doesn't want to play right tackle. And Frank talked about that because I asked him, I said, How tricky is that to to recruit a guy in free agency? Um, and then turn around and draft his replacement, yeah. maybe his immediate replacement a month later. And he says, it's not tricky at all. That they, they, The players today are smart, and they they research, and they know what each team's situation is, and they know what's going on, and you are up front with them. And 
you know, I could see that happen. And it, it, maybe there's not a big market for Becton and, and that relationship yeah. would, would be key and they could get him at an, at an affordable price on a, you know, one or a two year deal and, and let him kind of resurrect his career. The, the injuries are a concern, but that is an interesting name. And he, I believe Frank said there were in his career coaching, he had uh, two offensive linemen um, that he started as, as rookies. Um, or maybe it was just tackles that he started as rookies and Becton yeah. was one of them. Uh, and the other was Dwayne Brown, which was, he was like a 26 pick overall way back long time ago. I think it was like 2006, 2007. He's still yeah. in the league he's back, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And he, I think he's a playing agent. with my playing with Makai Becton in New York. Yeah. 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 He's a free agent too. I don't, I don't think Dwayne Brown will be on the Bengals. No, list of options, I don't think too old, uh, too old. Yeah. Now, I'd be curious to see if they go after Beckton. I, I think Brian Costello said that it looks like he might have to sign a one-year kind of prove-it deal. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that could be someone the Bengals would be interested in. Defensive tackle, you know, you know, we talked about some of the options. Um, this a little bit, of, a few updates on the high-end guys. Chris Jones, it looks like he's probably going to go back to the Chiefs. Justin Matabuike with the Ravens, uh, their GM came out and said if he's not re-signed, that he will be franchise tagged, so he's not going to hit the market. Christian Wilkins with the Dolphins, I don't believe they've officially said that they will tag him, but I can't imagine that they won't. We went over some of the options last week, guys like Grover Stewart, Javon Kinlaw, T.R. Tart. A couple other guys I wanted to mention just doing some more free agent work this week. Uh, a couple of guys that have Rams ties that might be tied to Zach Taylor, Sebastian Joseph Day and Ashawn Robinson. Uh, these guys are just like big bodied run cloggers. I, I don't, they're not guys that are going to get pressure, but if you need somebody as like a back end piece on the interior, I think they could fit. And then Maurice Hurst from the Browns. This guy had like a really good season this year, pushing the pocket, getting some pressure from the interior. Can't imagine he'll be cheap. He's or expensive. He's had a lot of injury issues. Just another guy. I think if the Bengals are looking for like a th true three technique, I think he could be on the list. So it's you know it's 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 an interesting. We'll get into more of these draft prospects as kind of we get closer to the draft, get through free agency. But I think free agency will tell us a lot, Jay. Like if they go out and spend big on one of these two positions, then I think we can probably cross that off for a first round pick i would think but it's all it's all kind of a mix you know it's a how you want to assemble your roster with all these various pieces and we haven't even talked about waiver claims and trades and all the other ways that you can add players to their rosters it's all kind of this big amalgamation that we'll figure out over these next few weeks um next thing jay you talked to lou and arumo about dax hill in the idea of dax hill maybe changing positions you know he had his struggles as a safety this year he played some cornerback, including in the slot at Michigan in college. Um, Luna Rumo definitely didn't rule it out, the idea of of him change, of Dax changing positions. He was pretty clear that it wasn't necessarily because Dax was bad at safety. It was because Dax might be better as a corner. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is something that the Bengals are going to pursue this offseason. The safety class among free agents is just incredibly deep. We just had Kevin Byard released just before we started the show. There's 10, 15 guys, I think, could be realistic starters among this free agent class. Could the Bengals go out and sign a guy in a one-year deal and maybe move Dax into more of a specialized role? I don't know, but I mean, the fact that he hasn't ruled out a change was, was definitely interesting. Yeah, and really the most interesting thing to me was when he said he needs to be good at one thing. Yeah. And so they're they're not looking at making him a, a positionless player that they can move all over the place. They want they want to find a spot for him and let him focus on that. And to me, it means staying at safety. I just it was his first year. 
you you, yeah. ex, you know, first year as a starter, uh, you expect growth after that first year, uh, not just his first year as a starter. It, it's not like he jumped in as a first year starter, was playing alongside Von Bell or just a veteran that could carry him along. He's he's right. learning it with Jordan Battle next to him. And even when Nick Scott was there, Nick Scott was just in his second year as a starter. So that part of it. And then the other part is, well, if you move him to corner, then what do you do? Because yeah. I think you feel really good about DJ Turner and Cam Taylor Britt. And yeah, Lou said you got to have three starting caliber corners, but I just I don't know that that's the best way to go to, to move Dax to corner. Um, Lou, uh, you know, kind of brushed aside the notion of of making Mike Hilton a safety because he does play a, mm. in a safety yeah. role at times. Um, but he said no. He's He's one of he's he's a great slot corner, one of the best slot corners in the league still, and that is not something they're considering because you were thinking then maybe Dax goes into the slot, put Hilton back at, at safety. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it sounds to me like that is the plan that they're open. They'll see what happens with free agency in the draft and where everything settles. But I just to me it makes the most sense just to keep him, keep Dax Hill at safety. He's he's got freakish athletic ability. He can cover really well. A lot of the hiccups last year were due to communication, and and it, it, it wasn't for lack of studying or you know not knowing the playbook or anything like that. It was just two young guys back there trying to find their way. Yeah, I think the growing pains of the Bengals secondary will be something that we we saw last year, and then we'll kind of watch how that advances going into next year, obviously. And yeah, it's like if, if you're moving Dagsell to corner this season, then you're basically making him a backup, right? If you're yeah. not gonna, if you're not switching Hilton to safety as well. I don't know. I, I agree with you, Jay, that I think at least give Dax one more year as a starter at safety. If you had to move on from Mike Hilton after next year, they can do so with like $1 million of dead money. Mm-hmm. At that point, maybe you can move Dax Hill into the slot and, and recalibrate things. But I don't think there's any harm in, in giving Dax another chance as a starting safety, especially if the Bengals go and find somebody cheap and like a $2 million signing or something to give them that kind of backup mm-hmm. option if something happens. Um, so I think that's interesting. Uh, what's next? Brad Robbins. Got Brad Robbins talk. Brad Robbins, we we know, struggled a lot in his rookie season. Um, Darren Simmons did not rule out drafting another punter this mm-hmm. year. It'd be a strange move. I mean, you don't want to see teams wasting multiple draft or draft picks in multiple years on a punter. I mean, you know, they're late round picks, but still, it's not exactly the best strategy. Brad Robbins could take a step forward. I think the Bengals are willing to give him that chance. And, you know, he had a lot of success in college at Michigan. He wouldn't have been drafted at all if he didn't, obviously. I don't, I don't know if this is a thing where, like, will the Bengals consider finding, signing a free agent punter? You know, we've got... Somebody like Tommy Townsend, who's a former All-Pro, who's mm-hmm. available for the Chiefs. Like, I don't know. Is that would you go out and try and steal a guy like that from a division or from a, a conference rival? I know it's maybe funny to say you're stealing a punter and make that like that's some big move, but Tommy Townsend is really good, and I think would really represent a big upgrade over Brad Robbins. And it, it sounds like Darren Simmons is at least open to the idea of bringing somebody in. I just don't know if it'll be at that level. Yeah, I think if they were if they were fed up with Robbins and and you know intent on moving on from him, then yeah, maybe that would be the way to go to to sign a free agent. But yeah. you know, it, it it sounds like they just want to have an open competition. Um, it, you know, Darren talked about it. he's still got faith in, in Brad, and it, he just started off so bad, and then it 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 started getting a little better. But it, he he said he was clear. It, it has a long way to go. There's a lot of improvement that needs to be made, but he also pointed out that, that Brad, 
Brad's rookie numbers were better than Kevin Huber's rookie numbers, and Kevin went on to have a fantastic career. So it happens sometimes in the league. It's you know, we've talked about offensive linemen, defensive line. I mean, all these guys struggled to adjust. Um, so the it, the curious thing is he talks about how Brad Robbins is fantastic in practice, and then there's a disconnect when he gets in the game. So it's like, how do you replicate that? Even a preseason game, maybe that's the best way to replicate it is the pressure of having to win a battle, which he did last year with Drew Chrisman. Um, but I, I think he kind of felt he was he was the he was the draft pick. Chrisman was kind of on, on the fringe, and he yeah. he felt a little more comfortable. Uh, it could be different this year. And it, you're right. They don't people don't draft punters. So that means a lot of them are available in in free agency at the end of the draft. And so if those guys are looking around for their best fit, well, you go somewhere that's had a special teams coach in place for over two decades and a team that's not settled on their guy. That might be an attractive spot for some of these for one of these uh, punters to, to want to come to Cincinnati and compete with Brad Robbins. Um, and, and the other thing is. Darren always talks about how it, the punter's job isn't just punting, that holding is a huge, like maybe 40, 45% of the job. And he was really good at that. He took to that right away and, and they were, they were thrilled with what he gave them in that part of it. So it, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how they're, where they're going to find this competition, but they're going to bring somebody in unless Brad just totally craps down his leg. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be the punter again this year. Uh, but it is interesting um, Tommy Townsend was Evan McPherson's holder uh, at Florida. They have a right relationship and they know each other very well. I just can't see with where the Bengals are going salary cap wise with them investing in a in a top of the market punter like that. Yeah, it, it'd be a strange move. I mean, I do think there's got to be some sort of improvement, though. We, we've talked about mm-hmm. Brad Robbins dead last in punting EPA, according to Puntalytics. There, there are other free agents. I mean, I guess they could consider a guy like Thomas Morstead, Jake Bailey from the Dolphins. Townsend, I think, is like the cream of the crop. But, yeah, it's when you're paying so many other guys at like actual critical positions, I think it's really tough to try to invent a special tier, especially when you're hoping you can extend Evan McPherson down the line. Are mm-hmm. you really going to be paying at both positions? I think that's tough. But at least something to consider. Um, last thing we want to talk about here is just a little bit of a free agent preview. We'll, like I said, we'll talk about our kind of overarching plans for what we think the Bengals should do when we get back next week. But we, Jay and I like our competition, so we'll do we'll do a little mini competition here to end the show. <laughs> I just want to do a couple little guessing games. First one is going to be how many internal free agents the Bengals were going to resign. Um, I actually did not look up how many they've looked, how many internal guys they've re-signed by year. I don't know if you have that, Jay, but I don't remember how, how many they signed last year. Um, what's what's your number for how many you think they will bring back next year? We we kind of did a draft. What was that a few weeks ago where we drafted who yeah. who's going to come back and for how many years and stuff? But this we're just looking for one number, like how many guys of the one, two, three, four. How many guys we got? Fifteen free agents or so. How many? Sixteen. Are come back and, Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Yep. And that includes restricted ones. Um, okay. So I put them in five buckets. A definite okay. yes, likely, coin flip, unlikely, definite no. Um, I only had one in the definite yes, and that was Tanner Hudson. Um, I've got eight in the likely, and I've got three in the coin flip. So I'm just going to go – I'm going to say nine for sure, and then a one and a half. So I'll – I'm uh, 10 or 11. I'm not sure which way I want to go. I'm going to go 11. 
I'm, I'm okay. Interesting. I'm going to go 11 of the 16. They will resign. That's okay. That's much higher than I have it actually. Oh yeah. I think I've got one, two, three, four, five. I only have seven. I have seven guys. Uh, I mean, I guess like T Higgins kind of counts, right? I mean, that's already kind of happened. No, uh, I'm not counting him because you're not counting him. No. Okay. Well, then I only have six that because I counted T. <laughs> I like. I think okay. I think Trenton Irwin. I think is as a guy. Yeah. I think they will resign. I have two two of the four tight ends. I picked Hudson and Sample. I I, I don't know exactly which ones it'll be. But I think it'll be two. Mm-hmm. Same for the linebackers. I picked Davis Gaither and Bailey. I I think they'll bring back two. And then I had Cody Ford as a mm-hmm. as a backup offensive lineman. Beyond that, I don't have anybody else. I think if I had to pick somebody else to re-sign, I think I'd pick DJ Reader just because I, I think he could come back on a one-year deal. But there's just not a lot of other internal guys, unless I'm forgetting about somebody obvious that, that I I feel really good about the Bengals re-signing. I don't know. Is there anybody else that, I, that I've left out that you have like as an obvious re-sign? Not obvious, but I I, I had Max Sharping as likely. I just okay. where you know his his flexibility, you can play guard tackle or center. Yeah. Um, he's not gonna cost a lot. Um I, I think Bocce will be back. Mm. Um, I, I had Travion Williams is likely just because what with, with that running back position, you're going to be able to get him so cheap. Um, yeah. and he gives you some a little bit of uh, versatility too as a kick returner. Um, and then I, I had Reader in the 50-50, and yeah. I got Josh Tupo in the 50-50. I mean, he's mm. a solid player, and he's not going to cost you a lot, and you need – you need depth at that defensive Bodies. tackle pot yeah. spot. And if, if things go sideways, he's a guy you can rely on. I think they re- resign him for super cheap. Doesn't mean he makes the 53-man roster, but he's a a quality piece to, to carry into training camp and, and get this sorted out on what that D-line is going to look like. Okay, so you picked 11, I picked 7. Are we doing prices Right uh, rules where you can't go over? or? <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, no! I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm just kidding. That, that would be too beneficial for me. But I'm, it's 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 interesting. We have a good sample here, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they resigned those guys you mentioned either. So I, I, I would not be surprised if that happens. Last thing we want to talk about, similar vein: how many external free agents are the Bengals going to sign? Uh, Jay, I know you've got the numbers going back a few years here. So, like, how what are we dealing with? Like, what's the range that the Bengals have been working with for outside free agents? Okay, the the most is eight. Uh, okay. In 2021 and 2020. In 2021, five of those eight came on the same day. Um, the lowest also was in back-to-back years. In 2017 and 2018, there were only two each. Um, okay. Last year, there were six. 2022, there was five. And these are these are outside free agents who um, they could be street free agents or they could yeah. be guys that were you know on a team last year. They just didn't play for the Bengals the year before. Um, and they, these were signings before draft day. So not counting the ones right before camp and that kind of thing. So, um, six, five, eight, eight, three, two, two, three, and five are the numbers going back. So you you see the, the clear delineation after that when when Burrow got here, uh, you know what? So that's what 11, 27 in the last four years. And in the uh, five years prior to that, that's five, seven, ten, fifteen. Man, that's that's so interesting. Okay, I'm gonna stay in that same kind of area. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that the Bengals will sign six external free agents. Jay, I'm gonna set my number at six. I've got specific positions too that I think they'll sign, but I want to hear your number first. I had six as well. I, I don't have it by specific position. Um, you know, maybe we can well, next week's 
preview of free agency we can get yeah. into that more yeah, yeah um but yeah i it six feels like a a good number so maybe we'll the tiebreaker is going to be we're, we're also going to pick what the highest aav is going to yes. be for a free agent so i don't know if you want to go first if you want me to just yeah. throw mine out there yeah okay so i'm going to say the positions i think they will sign oh, yeah, just yeah. Throw up. i'm not i'm not going to say the players but i'll just throw out positions i think they'll sign a running back a right tackle a tight end a d tackle a cornerback and a safety I, I, I see an addition at all six of those spots. Um, like, okay, we're, we talked about who, what will be the highest AAV for, like, among external free agents. It's tough because, like, I don't know where they're gonna sp- where where they're gonna spend. Like, yeah. yes, they need they need a right tackle, but they're not gonna spend fifteen million dollars a year to sign Mike Onwenu. I, I don't think, and they're not gonna re-sign Jonah Williams. They need a defensive tackle, but they're not gonna sign any of the guys who are gonna be franchise tagged. Obviously, I don't think they're gonna sign Leonard Williams and like. I just don't think they're going to hit like $15 million at all. Like mm-hmm. uh, Orlando Brown came in number one last year at $16 million a year among Bengals free agents. I just don't think they're going to hit that. I don't think the options are out there at the positions of need that the Bengals are looking for. We talked about it a little last week. I just see more of kind of like multiple bites at the Apple approach where you've got all these different spots where you need is like a little bit of help and you're kind of just going to put a little here, put a little there and not go too heavily on any position. All of this is a preamble so I can think about a number <laughs> that I'm going to say. I'm going to put it at $10 million. And, and I don't know where that would be. I, I guess I'd say a D tackle because I, I still don't think the right tackle options are there. We are going to have to get to those double digits. But I could see a guy on a one or two year deal at defensive tackle at $10 million. So I'll put my number there. That's funny because on the other one, we were so far apart. On this one, we're almost dead on. I, I had six guys. I had 10.4. Okay. Uh, as my AAV high yeah. point. So, um, yeah, I, I, everything you said, I'm right there with you. I just, I, the, the DJ reader signing was such a, a big surprise, mm-hmm. um, you know, four years ago. And it just, it shows the way they think and the way they know they have to win in this division. And, you know, Lou Anarumo talked about when he's looking at these free agents, he, he hopes and prays they played against the Browns, Ravens, or Steelers. So he can go straight to those games because it's so different playing in this league. And I just I, I could see that being a position where where they go high. They make sure there's no guarantee yeah. you're gonna get one of the top four. They should get one of the top four in the draft if that's what they want to do. There's no guarantee. Um and I just I don't see them going super high at tackle, but I, I could see them sneaking into the double digits for a defensive tackle to just really solidify that position. And then that gives them the flexibility, you know, to, to make DJ reader, just a, an icing yeah. on the cake kind of thing. And, and it doesn't force them to have to take a D tackle in the first round. Um, I, that would be, if we, if we did both say 10 on the nose and then we had to pick yeah. positions, D tackle would be my position tiebreaker, but we're good. I'm at 10.4 and you're at 10. And maybe we're kind of undervaluing how much the Bengals are willing to spend. I mean, the cap did jump by a pretty hefty margin to $255 million. The Bengals are number nine as we're recording this in cap space with almost $50 million. But I think we've both followed this team long enough to know that they like to keep a lot of money in reserve. They've got money earmarked for extensions and all this other stuff where I don't think they're going to spend right up to that cap. But, you know, if, yeah, I agree with you. If they're going to spend somewhere, I think it'll be a D tackle and, uh, me saying that they're not going to spend, I don't think is re- necessarily a negative reflection on the Bengals. I think it's just a negative reflection on this free agency class, which I just don't think is that great. I, I've seen, like there's been much, much better classes of players in previous years. And 
it seems like almost all the truly elite guys, and I, I know this happens every year, but it feels like even more this year that the truly, truly elite guys are just not going to hit the market at all. It's just an easy yeah. call with the cap going up. It's just an easy decision for a lot of these teams to say, franchise tag, sure, no no issues. We've mm-hmm. got the room, no problem. So I won't be surprised if this year free agency is even a little more subdued than it normally is. Um, I think that's all we've got for today, Jay. Like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll give all our thoughts on what the Bengals should do in free agency. Jay, anything else before we sign off on this Friday edition? Yeah, just uh, what you said about the cap going up. I mean, yeah, I, I I expected this to be their mindset, and Duke came out and say it, uh, said it uh, on the side session with reporters after he got off the podium, where the the, the fact that the cap is fifteen million higher than everybody expected doesn't mean they're going to increase the value of what they think a player's worth. If, sure. they, if they thought a guy was worth eight million before, he's still worth eight million now. Even though the other teams might have more money to spend on him, but the, they're viewing it as that extra money just means we can get more players. It doesn't mean we yeah. can spend more on the players that are they're out there. They're not gonna. They've already put their valuations on these guys, and they're gonna stick to it. And the thing about the cap space too is like it's all relative. Like yeah. every every team is getting this. It. I think the big cap sp- cap space increase really helped those teams at the bottom of the list on, on over the cap. You know that who, who do we got here? The Bills are still $40 million over. The Dolphins are still $20, $30 million over. Right. Those teams are going to get helped by the increase. If you're at the top of the list, like it's all relative. All the, all the teams are getting the same percentage increase. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not that big of a deal. So I agree with you. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Please like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll be back mid next week to talk about free agency. Until then, thanks again for listening.